Well, again, good evening. Um, If it's your first time here, we're really glad to welcome you to our Wednesday night fellowship. If you've been here before, welcome back. It's great to see all of you. Every Wednesday night, we have this thing called Wednesday night fellowship where we can gather for worship and sort of gather around uh, God's word, sort of tuning our ears to hear his voice. But Wednesday night fellowship is not just a time for us to connect with God. It's also a time for us to connect uh, with one another. Uh, In this room right here, you'll find people from all over the country. Um, We have even some from different parts of the world, people studying different things, who have different passions and interests and hobbies. But what unites us, what brings us together every Wednesday is this suspicion that maybe, just maybe, Jesus is who he says after all. That maybe he is indeed the way and, and the truth and the life. That maybe he actually is the savior of the world. And we come here and we're, we wrestle with that. We, we figure that out. Um, all year long, we're in a series called Roots and Relationships. Uh, and the idea behind this series that we're doing is a really simple one. God wants you to grow. God wants you to become more and more yourself and more and more like Jesus at the same time. It's good for you to think what that would be like. What that will look like for the life of Jesus to be sort of expressed through your personality. If Jesus had your family, had your background, had your education and gift sets, what would he look like? What would he sound like? What would Jesus, what does the life of Jesus look like expressed through you? That is what God wants to grow in you. Um, By way of imagination, God sort of says, it's picture this. For you to grow, picture a juniper tree in a desert wilderness. Sort of life where you don't expect to find it. Something that is green and good, sort of in a, in a, a landscape that is dry and dusty and brown and just all sand. Picture that. Or picture a tree Bursting with fruit, sort of in a field where it's otherwise barren. Or in the story that Jesus tells us tonight, like a field just with waves of grain. Right? This is what God wants your life, metaphorically speaking, to look like. This growth is not going to happen by accident or without some intentionality on your part. Certainly, God has a role to play. In fact, he's the one who makes the first move. As we see in the story, he's the one who approaches you. He's the one who is sowing seed. He is the good gardener. But for this seed to get inside of you, for it to take root and germinate and grow, you are going to need rest and roots and relationships. You have a role to play in your growth. For you to be and to become the person that God has made you and saved you to be, you need to cultivate and nourish that which he is growing in you. You need rest, you need roots, and you need relationships. And when these three are in place, a new kind of life will begin to emerge. Seed becomes a stem, and stem becomes a a trunk, and trunk becomes a tree And from the tree grow branches. On the branches there emerges fruit. And inside that fruit are more seeds and more growth. 
right? Just before break, I went to go see the movie Dune. Uh, raise your hand if you saw this movie, Dune. Just a few. I'm surprised, y'all. Come on. It's a good movie. Um, it's a great movie. I- I'm not going to go into all the details. Um, truly, this is like a three-sentence summary. And I'm sorry to all you like, what, is, what do you call somebody who's like really into Dune? Like, I don't know. Um, a Dooney. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to butcher sort of like there's so many details that I'm glossing over. But at its most basic level, the, the book, the movie of Dune, is about a man named Paul who grew up on a watery planet called Caledon, but is sent with his family to this desert planet called Arrakis. And after a series of crises, Paul and his mom, they, they wind up marooned in the middle of this desert with nothing but a survival kit, essentially a backpack with some gear inside. And in order for them to survive, they need to have this backpack and the few uh, essential sort of uh, essential gear that it contains. But it's not enough for them to know what's in the backpack. It's not even enough for them to know how to use it. They've actually got to put it into practice. They actually need to take the stuff out and, and use the gear. Right? I mean, that is a very <laughs> like, simple summary of this movie from like 30,000 feet. Um, but that's what it's about. And what I think this movie, um, I think this, this movie, Dune, it really actually connects with yours and my experience in a lot of ways, believe it or not. What is true for Paul on planet Arrakis is true for you, the college student here at UVM. Like Paul, you've left, the, you've left your home. You've left your metaphorical Kaladin, the home that you've ever known, and you find yourself now in a new place, Right? You find yourself here in Burlington, Vermont. If you're a senior student, it's not as new to you as, as, as when you began, but it's not home. And when you left home and you came here, you left other things besides just a locale. You left your childhood and you left your adolescence behind. And you entered into a new stage, right, called adulthood. All of these transitions are occurring at the same time. And like Paul and Arrakis, this world that you now inhabit, it's beautiful, but it's also dangerous too. There's parts that are are incredibly beautiful, but it is shot through with pain and with danger. Now, unlike Paul, you didn't wind up here, right, after crashing on like some helicopter after going through some wind, like sandstorm. Like, in all likelihood, mom and dad dropped you off in front of your dorm after taking you to bed, bath, and beyond. Right? But like Paul, you and everyone else around here is trying to figure out how do I make it here? How do I survive college and how do I survive the real world? And I don't just want to survive like how do I thrive in this place? How do I thrive in this new world and in adulthood? Now, for you Christians in the room, for you followers of Jesus, this metaphor analogy of like leaving Caledon for Arrakis, it actually hits really close to home in ways. um, Well, just in really profound ways. And I know this because you've told me so. A lot of you have described your experience of leaving home and coming to UVM. It's like leaving a place where there is water readily available at the surface, which is what Caledon is. It's a watery planet. And finding yourself in a spiritual desert where water is hard to find. And you have told me as much, like, 
I don't know how to survive here. Is there water here? Can I, thir- like, can I slake my spiritual thirst? You tell me stories of how you left a great and supportive family, of leaving lots of friends who shared your faith, of, of having an amazing church and maybe a, a, a fantastic youth group. But now you're here at the University of Vermont, which is hardly a bastion of Christian thought. And you're living in Burlington, which is one of the least church, least religious cities in America. And like Paul on Arrakis, you're thinking, how do I keep my faith in a place like this? How do I survive? How do I thrive? But look and listen, it's not just Christians who think or feel this way. This is, I think, a universal experience. Christian or not, you are living in the year 2022, which sounds like the future because it kind of is. We have devices that like shoot things up into space and we can like talk to somebody on the other planet like in real time. Like we are living in the future. It's not just that we're living in the future. We're living in a hypermodern, hypersexual, hypersecular culture. And like I said, like Arrakis, the world that we are living in, it is shot full of beauty, but it's also really harsh and hostile at the same time. Which is why it makes perfect sense for you to ask, how do I live here? How do I survive in this place? How can I live the good life? Right? The kind of life that Jesus talks about. Life to the fullest. Life the way it was meant to be. Here and now. On this campus. In the year 2022. In the modern secular West. Is it possible? I hardly need to tell you that we are facing a mental health crisis in this country. Like college campuses like this one are a ground zero of sorts. There are obvious contributing factors like the breakdown of families, divorce, abuse, uh, pandemic-induced isolation and anxiety. But there are other things that are fueling this mental crisis too. There's one author named Anne Helen Peterson. She calls the millennial generation, sort of our generation, the burnout generation. She writes, for many modern people, every moment of the day must be spent on work, on self-improvement, personal branding, making connections, optimizing inside hustles. Financial crises, student loan debt, and economic uncertainty drive much of this obsession, but the effect is burnout, exhaustion, and an inability to handle simple life tasks. Sort of end quote. Now for sure, right, like globalization and having to compete with the best of the best, not just here in Vermont or in the United States, but sort of like all around the globe, like that is going to create stress. It's going to create sort of the conditions for burnout. But it's not just economic pressure that you feel that is sort of fueling like these feelings of burnout, uh, sort of this mental health crisis. I think more significant is how much time you spend on apps like TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, and the like. Right? These things, I think more than anything else, are really contributing to the sense of burnout. Right? Bo Burnham's comedy painfully explores what happens to us when we live our lives online, where we're constantly craving affirmation and validation and are devastated if we face criticism or, worse, a yawn. Right? Just crickets. 
One review for his inside special writes, we all have multiple personalities now. We are performing constantly. It's exhausting. It's exhilarating. It's making us manic. It's making us depressed. Uh, and, and, and never more so during this past year when many of us were isolated, our faces press up against our laptops like homesick sailors peering through portholes. Like, we're all, we're all facing that. On the heels of our growing mental health crisis and burnout, we're seeing increases in anxiety and depression. A recent survey found that nearly 43% of undergrads felt so depressed that it was difficult to function in the past year. In 2018, an op-ed for the New York Times, one historian of psychiatry wrote, we've come to a place, at least in the West, where it seems every other person is depressed and on medication. You do have to wonder what that says about our culture. Anxiety and depression is up, and for the first time in 100 years, life expectancy in America is going down. And this was before the pandemic struck. The downward trend is largely driven by deaths from drug overdoses and suicide. People are literally dying of despair. For many in our culture, life feels meaningless. It feels pointless. It feels boring. And this, of course, fuels more extreme forms of entertainment, including porn and violence. See, in first century Rome, people went who were feeling much the same way, honestly, just sort of apathetic and bored meaningless. In first century Rome, people went to the the Colosseum, where for entertainment, they watched poor men and women get torn to pieces every which way in the gladiator games. People would go to the games like that, like like we would go to a, a matinee, like a show. They would buy popcorn, they would laugh, they would roar their approval. We haven't come much further we're like, we're not much better than this. In fact, I think we're worse. Because then you needed a ticket to the games, but now you just need a Netflix account. Squid Game is the number one most watched show on Netflix. Right? Worldwide, people have spent 1.65 billion hours watching this show. To put that in some perspective, that is 182,000 years of people watching people being killed in the most gruesome ways imaginable. And they're not doing this from a distance. They're doing that in their homes, in their living rooms, or for some of you, like in your bed, up close, right? As you, as you, as you consume this, like this close to your face, where you sleep. People then go on and they roar their approval on Reddit or on Instagram or whatever it is you post, right? Like the popularity of, of Squid Game does and should give us pause. One commentator writes, the fact that viewers are not repelled by the incessant bloodletting and flamboyant cruelty to one another, it says something weird and disturbing about modern sensibilities. Scarier still, for, for many at least to some degree, this portrait of life as a sadistic lottery resonates with so many people. They're like, yeah, that is actually a, a, an accurate depiction of what life in the modern world is like. John Doyle for The Globe and Mail writes, this is not some dystopian fantasy like Hunger Games. This is present-day life and all its complex awfulness. And that so many people agree is to borrow from Frank Bruni's phrase, a bullet to our souls. This is the world that you and I live in. 
Again, Christian or not, this is Arrakis, folks. This is where we are. This is the terra firma beneath our feet. And like Paul, we're all looking around asking, how do I survive here? How do I survive in a world with, with, where, with that kind of mental crisis and that kind of anxiety and that kind of burnout and that kind of stress, right? With that kind of violence. Is there any way to experience the good life, life to the fullest, as it was meant to be lived now? And the answer is yes. Yes, there is. And what's more, you don't need much. You don't need to give up hope, and you don't need to go back to Caledon. You don't need to go to some other planet. You can live the good life here. But you need a backpack. You need a survival kit. And you need people. You can't do this by yourself. In the story that Jesus tells, Mark 4, he essentially outlines what you need to not just survive, but thrive here. You need a survival kit. You need some essential gear. And you need some fellow desert dwellers to do life with. There's no way that you're going to be able to do this on your own or in isolation. But if you have the essentials, if you have this sort of Fremen survival kit, if you have other people to do this life with, you're going to be okay. More than that, you will be like that tree in the desert. You will have this good life. It's promised you. What we want to do in RUF, now and always, is to put this survival kit in your hands for you to understand what's in it and then to know how to put it into good practice, how to, how to put it into use. We want to come alongside you and to help you with that. In the story that Jesus tells, verses 3 and 14, Jesus emphasizes that we absolutely need the word of God in our lives. You can think of this as the compass inside that Fremen survival kit. We need something to, to give us guidance and direction. We need a story that will give us our bearings. A story that we can navigate by. This is why in RUF we open up our Bibles a lot. We do it here on Wednesday Night Fellowship. Uh, you can do it on Tuesday nights with Sarah Jane as you look uh, at uh, the, the book of Ephesians, which is found in the New Testament. It's why we will do it when we gather for prayer uh, in my house on Monday mornings. Or sometimes when we sit and we grab coffee or lunch. Sometimes we'll whip out uh, our phones and we'll look up something that God has to say there. We do this because we sincerely believe what Jesus says here in the story that we need the word of God in our lives. And it's one of the reasons why on that table, there are Bibles that are a free gift to you. If you don't have one, please take one home with you. And don't just leave without a Bible. Take this too. This is, um, these are laminated cards. And on these cards are 100 readings to guide us through the semester. Uh, starting March, or not March, starting um, Monday, January 24th, so next Monday, we can count 102 days to the last day of class, Friday, May 6th. There's 102 days from next Monday all the way to the end of the semester. This has 100 readings, short readings, that will take you less than five minutes, 
that'll take you from the first book of the Bible to the last. It'll kind of give you, there's 50 readings from the Old Testament, 50 readings from the New. And if you will do these readings with me, and I hope with us, at the end of the semester, you will really have a firm handle on what the Bible has to say from cover to cover. Like, you will finish the semester really understanding the big picture story of the Bible. You will have God's word sort of in your life, sort of his voice sort of ringing in your ears and in your heart every single day. And some days it might not feel like much, but I promise you, if you do this, it, it will change you. You will, not, it, you will not leave this semester unchanged. I highly encourage you to pick this up. I really would love for us to do this together and for you to imagine, like, what would it be like for us as a community to be reading the same thing every single day? And when you get together, be like, hey, what did you think about what you read? Like, that, honestly, like, we could have conversations around God's word together. I want to encourage you to do this. It's an essential thing. We need this. This is, like, this is in the backpack. We need God's word in our lives. But we don't just need that. We need rest. We need rest. Jesus, in this story, he talks about people who are like a path, who the word of God just sort of lands on their lives, and it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go anywhere because their lives are so hardened. They're so packed down. For us, uh, their lives are so busy, so noisy, that the word has nowhere to go. If the word of God is actually going to get into our lives and actually do its work, we need to kind of create cracks in our lives that we can receive it. So what does this look like at a practical level? Like in the movie Dune, they have in the backpack like a still tent. And that's sort of what this is like. It's, it's like a, a place that we can rest and we want to help you set that tent up. I think practically speaking, this could look something as simple as 10 minutes of quiet at the beginning of your day. Like when you wake up, before you reach for your phone, make yourself a cup of coffee and just sit quietly and breathe in and breathe out. And just have the awareness that you are living in God's world and you are his creature and he is your father who loves you and is taking care of you. Like what if you spent your day just soaking that in? Maybe 10 minutes is too much. Let's just say five. That's five minutes more than probably what you're doing already. Or how about like setting an alarm on your phone, which I have to do because it's hard for me to do this. Or at maybe 12.30, it's a reminder, hey, my phone just rings at 12.30. It's a reminder for me to just like stop, slow down, recenter myself. You know, where am I at? Where is God? Maybe I'll go back to what I read this morning. Maybe I'll just soak uh, and marinate uh, or chew on just something that I've read. Just something to remind me. Something to allow me to return to the word that I started my day with. Crack in my day. A way for that word to sort of like re-enter, sort of do its thing. Or how about at the end of the day? You know, just again, time for you to just slow down. Uh, We in my home, we have to plug our phone in at like 8.30 like, let's take our phones out of our pockets, let's put them on the wall, plug them in, so that it's not constantly buzzing us and distracting us. Right? I, there's so many ways that we can think through this, but we as RUF, like, we, want, we, take, we want to take this seriously. We want to come alongside you and be like, what would, how can we help you to do this? Because this is, this is so important. Right? We need God's word, but in order for it to get in, we need rest. We need cracks in our day. We need a still tent. We also need roots. You see this in the story he tells in verses 5, 16, and 17. Right? We need a hidden support system. 
We need to learn how to pray. Again, I liken this in Dune to if you saw the movie, they have these like nose plugs that help them to sort of breathe and retain water. They have a a suit that they put on to, to retain body moisture. And that's kind of what prayer is. It's like, it's retaining moisture. It's keeping like God's presence close to us. Prayer is one of those things that is taught and it's also caught. So come and join us on Mondays. Um, it's a great opportunity. If you can't make Mondays, like, we can come alongside you one-on-one and just help you to, to learn how to live your life honestly before God. We want to teach you how to do that. All of these things, a compass, a tent, a suit, word and rest and roots, they're all essential for you to live the good life. And listen, for you to survive. It's essential. But by themselves, these are not sufficient. They're not enough. You will not make it on Arrakis. You will not make it here on planet Earth in 2022 in this modern, hypersexual, hypersecular West on your own. You need people to, to live this life with, which means that you need to join yourself to a church and to be part of a Christian community. Jesus hints at this in his story that he tells in verses 7 and 18 and 19. That it is easy for things to begin to encroach on our lives, things that we don't even notice, but everybody around us can. If we don't have other people who can take the weeds off of our lives, the good life will be choked out of us. Once again, we as RUF, we want to come alongside you and help you to put this into practice. Like on our website, we have a list of churches in the area, and we want to help you connect with one. And we want to help you find people around you, even here in this room, who are attending church, and to help give you rides. Um, church is, is not less than like worshiping on a Sunday, but it's, it's more. Right? It's, it's finding um, friends and community to, to, that you can live your life with. It's being part of a local family, knowing and being known. Like we are not the church here in RUF, but we are a part of it. And we want to help you find friends so that you can be a part of it too. Things like Wednesday night fellowship, things like small groups, things like social events. You know, when we, we, we plan to do like a winter palooza and Mario Kart tournaments and intramural sports and going ice skating and sledding and skiing and serving alongside one another as we go to maybe Atlantic City or make meals for Burlington's homeless or get our hands in the dirt as we sort of help reboot community gardens. Like there's so many ways for you to come alongside other people and to get to know them and for them to get to know you. And this too, it's an essential ingredient for you to live the good life, right? Without it, all of those other things, right? Like the, the, the word and the rest and the prayer, it will be for naught if you don't learn how to do this too. As I said to you earlier, when these are in place, when we have rest, roots, and relationships, the seed becomes a stem, and that stem becomes a trunk, and that trunk becomes a tree. This is inevitable. This will begin to happen. But it's not going to happen all at once. It is a process. But fruit will follow. And the last half of the semester after spring break, we want to start to unpack that and, and help you to imagine what that will be like. How the good life, um, what the good life looks like and is like, and the ways that we relate to our identity. 
and the ways that we relate to our work and rest, the ways that we relate to our money and possessions, our sexuality and bodies, the ways that we do conflict, and the ways that we relate to our suffering, ways that we relate to our technology, and even the media that we consume. Right? Even in just sort of listing out that bullet point, I hope that you see, right, like this good life, it's not just an add-on, it's not a hobby, it's a whole life. It, it's a whole life that encompasses everything. This is what God wants to grow in you. This is what he wants to do in you. Not in the far-off future, but like today. It's, it's, it's what he's already been doing. He wants to carry it to completion. I want to encourage you with this. Like, you have a responsibility to play. Like I said, this isn't just going to happen by accident. But you all, God wants this in some ways more than you do. This is why he, this is why he has sent his son into the world. This is why he's given you this word. Like, this is not like, hey, do all these things, then God will reward you. His movement towards you, his, his grace precedes you. He's giving this to you before you even begin. He's putting this backpack in your hand. He's giving you people, look around, right? He's giving you people to do this with. You are not on your own. He is with you and he is for you. He wants this more than you do, right? But we want to come alongside and we want to help you do what you need to do, right? To, to help you nourish and cultivate for you to like live into your own responsibilities too, right? At the start of this new semester, at the start of this new year, I'm inviting you onto this journey of sorts. I'm inviting you to be thoughtful and intentional about the person that you are, the person that you are becoming, and the person that you could be. For some of you, answering this invitation will look simply like coming back to Wednesday night fellowship next week and the week after and the week after that just to learn and to listen more. Could this possibly be true? For some of you, that is enough. But for others of you, answering this invitation will require more. For some of you, you already know that this is true. You, you have this backpack in your possession. Your name is written sort of like in the tag. Now you need to learn how to unpack it. You need to learn how to take the stuff out you need to learn how to take that, that word, that compass, that, that tent, that suit, right? You need to learn how to take these things out and use it. How to put it into good practice so that you can begin to experience more and more the good life. Let us come alongside and help you put feet to faith. And let's do this together. No matter who you are, no matter where you're coming from, I'm really glad that you found your way into this room tonight. Truly, in Jesus' name, I welcome you. You know, we say here often, Jesus loves us enough to meet us where we're at, and he loves us enough not to leave us there. So as a benediction of sorts, before we start the semester, may the life he longs to grow in you grow deep and strong. And may many taste the fruit of that labor and rejoice. Let's pray.